Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Laura Donnelly. And I'm Jill Handley. And this is season five, episode 19, the top 10 takeaways from season five to make sure you engage every family. Last week, we were joined by the District Family Engagement Specialist for Jefferson County Public Schools, Crystal Hawkins. Crystal shared strategies for creating sustainability at the district level and the top mistakes schools make with family engagement. This has been such an incredible season. We have shared so many great strategies and thinkabouts to help schools in their goal to engage every family. But before we start this episode, we want to do a shout out to our newest listeners from the Caribbean Netherlands. So welcome. We're glad you're here. Hey. <laughs> Today, we are going to revisit revisit our top 10 takeaways from this season. I have to tell you, narrowing it down to just 10 was really challenging because I think, no, I know, this has been our longest season. So, yeah. so trying to get it into just 10 was really tough. Um, but I think that we did a good job with this. One, because... Um, like we talk about, we've really been living this. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we're always practitioners. We're always reflective. We're always in the midst of what we talk about. But I feel like this season more than ever, we are in the full of it. And I feel like we probably could have had 10 takeaways just from Dr. Constantino's stuff. So <laughs> I think we did have 10 takeaways. Yeah, no. yeah absolutely. Or a few more. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but let's go ahead and start with the number one. And if you've been listening, then you probably know what we are going to say with this one. And that one is what? Yep, that's right. Focus on relationships. I feel like that is like the global theme of, of everything that you do, right? Not just in education, but in every everything, every business. You know, I think everything that's successful is, is really built on a strong foundation of a good relationship. And so... Um, you know, sometimes I think people overlook what that looks like. Um, and, and, you know, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, reciprocal relationships with community partners and make sure it's effective two-way communication. But I think with the, the part with the relationships with families, not just they know who you are, not just they, I'm doing air quotes now, like you, mm-hmm. but truly to where you build a relationship I guess I'll go say like that they trust you enough to be vulnerable and want to be part of the school, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like an authentic connection. Not that you're hanging out with your parents, but that they they are truly involved and engaged in, as partners um, in building relationships. I feel like that was a takeaway on every episode. Yeah, for Make sure. sure you build relationships. <laughs> and I think um, the part that's that we, um, and honestly, let's just face it, I think this is one of our biggest learnings um, as, as school staff, is that that really does mean that you got to take it slow, which is not something we're accustomed to in the field of education. I mean, let's face it, we are drinking out of a, water, out of a fire hose every single day, um, trying to put out fires here and, and, you know, understand the newest curriculum there and complete this report there and, and call this parent back there. Um, but I think that take it slow. Um, I was, you know, it's funny, Laura, I was talking with someone today about, um, talking about Crystal, and I remember one of the things that when she talked about with us was when she talked about how we get started and we were like, yeah, we're going to do this and then we're going to share this with them and then we're going to do this and then we're going to ask them this and then we're going to do that. And I was like, 
And do you remember how she was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, stop for a second. And you know what it made me think of? If you've ever been to like a timeshare, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or one of those things to where it's like, hey, you, can, you, you want a free vacation? And, and, you know, it sounds so good to be true. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, it wasn't just about, you didn't just want to meet me. There's yes. always, you're wanting me, there, you're always wanting more. And I think that I connected that to family engagement that, Okay, so we got the point of like, don't overwhelm them with data on the first mm-hmm. meeting. But I think that the part that just hit me just today was, how about you just have something and don't ask them for anything other than to come and enjoy their child mm-hmm. and start to enjoy what it's like with being a family, with their family, and then part of your family as the school family. And what made me think of that was um, our family movie night from last night um, to where, you know, it was, first of all, it was free. You know, we didn't ask, free for families. Mm-hmm. Popcorn was free. And families just came and brought blankets and chairs and were able to just watch a movie and spend time with their child and the rest of the, you know, their whole family. I mean, how many families brought the whole family? (laughs) A lot of families. And really, it wasn't just about the families coming to watch a movie together. Because I'm going to be honest, it was, the kids were so wild. I don't know how much movie watching happened, but the community between families that was also built. So it wasn't just like, I'm here and I'm having a great time, but um, parents got to see each other. Kids got to see kids from other classrooms that they don't ever get to see right now because there are so many restrictions on all of that stuff. And um, they just got to have community and be together um, with other families and other kids. And so the kids were just so excited. I mean, they were running everywhere because they couldn't contain their excitement. So I don't know how well you could hear the movie. (laughs) But parents were excited to see their kids excited um, and to be interacting with other people. And that was everything. And just think about what that that one activity did. One, it gave families an opportunity to have a family outing that cost them nothing. Two, to your point, it allowed them to feel a part of a bigger family Mm -hmm. with others, other families, but then part of our Kenwood family. So, and at no point was it, and here's some information about, and by the way, we need you to, and hey, have you thought about joining this? And those are all things in the past that we would have done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so proud of us for allowing an opportunity to just let families come and be and thinking about how that deepened relationships. Yeah, and I will say, the only thing that we did that was kind of like, we didn't ask them for anything, but um, I set up and helped families apply to middle school because that is a big ordeal here in Jefferson County. Um, But even that was like, okay, I'll come for the movie night because you're going to help me sign up for this, and then we can just relax or whatever. Um, So just to take help take that off family's plate too. There was just, this relaxed um, energy about movie night, um, even with all of the excitement of kids. And it was it was just nice to see parents interacting with each other and um, all of the, the greatness that came from building that community. Yes, and we have to give a shout out to our assistant principal, <laughs> Jamila Henderson, whoop, whoop, uh, for putting it all together. Yes, yes, and yes, because she basically did the, I mean, it was basically <laughs> her event, and <laughs> It was amazing yeah. um, from start to finish. So, 
All right, our second um, takeaway, and I think you heard us talk about this in all of, at least the first half of the, <laughs> the season, and that is to challenge and think about your beliefs really and truly. What are your beliefs about family engagement? Do you believe that all families have their best, their child's best interest at heart? And if so, how might you reframe conversations or um, stigmas, the ways that you interact with families based on that? Yeah, um, beliefs and uh, did you say biases? I because yeah. I think that yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one too. Um, and, and remember, we all have them. Yes, we all have them. So though that you that's sitting there going, oh no, not me. I believe all. Okay, we all have something. So yeah, so and I think that you know the sooner you can confront it, and don't forget, not just you, leader, but you, leader, and your staff, because remember, you can't do this alone. Huh. So speaking nice of not, segue. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of not doing it alone, uh, takeaway number three: develop a team. Okay, I know as leaders, we often wear that cape and act as superheroes. And while that's the case most of the time, if you are wanting to truly create sustainable systems, you must, must, must create a team that, um, and, and not just employees. Your team needs to involve, I know this sounds like a novel idea, families, okay? <laughs> um, to, to, uh, so so we just remember that, that, you know, a team that's passionate about this um, and that understands and is going in the right direction, um, the same direction that you're leading the school. So um, don't think that you're, you, you're tackling it alone, even if you could, that it's best practice for that. And often as leaders and just as educators, we like to wear our superhero capes. But this is one thing, um, nothing in education can be done alone. It really is a team effort, but this especially, don't do it by yourself. All right, so number four, um, honor parents as the expert on their child and what they bring to the table. We talk about so often when parents disengage, it's for a multitude of reasons. But oftentimes they've had a negative experience, maybe not with your particular school, maybe not even with their child in school. Perhaps it goes back a little bit deeper to their own experiences. Um, oftentimes there are barriers that have to do with, with language, uh, transportation, um, you know, the social and cultural capital that they feel that they're bringing or they don't have or that is needed for your school. Mm -hmm. um, so just remember that, that... You know, I would say 99.9999999% of families want what's best for their child mm -hmm. and are doing the best they know how to do. Mm -hmm. And so um, coming to school is often intimidating. So making sure that we are taking the time to honor them. We might be the experts in teaching and learning and all the pedagogy, but remember, they are the expert in their child, and we need to make sure that we honor that um, and what they bring to the table to be able to um, partner with you. All right, so the next one, number, is this number five? One, two, three, yeah, number five. So um, I talked about this a little bit. Um, because families, there are barriers for this, um, examine your accessibility for all of your families. 
what barriers exist and what are you doing about it? I forget what episode it was where we talked about an, um, an activity from Dr. Constantino's book to where he talks about drive up to your school and pretend that you don't know where anything's at. Do you know where where the front office is at? You know, if, do you know where to where the where you know um, important things are at? Do you know who to ask for? Do you, all of these different things um, that go along? And so, if you have a family that comes up and English is not their primary language, do, does it seem like a burden? You know, or do you have systems that make it feel like, hey, we speak your language, regardless of what that is? So I would just say, um, are you accessible when you're communicating with families? Um, when families need to get in touch with you, do you know? Do they have equal access to that? When you're publishing things, are you you know publishing it across a variety of platforms? Just a lot of things that when you're thinking about what you're putting out and what you're getting back from families, um, and you're wanting them to engage with you. How easily accessible are you? And that it um, that might be se- that might seem tricky as, at first because when we're so close to a situation, mm-hmm. we have that very um, kind of micro lens. But if you take a step back, really zoom out for a little bit and check out your accessibility, you might realize like it might seem like of course I walk through the front doors and there's the front office, but. Is it really that simple? Um, ours, it's kind of off to the side. So before we had talked about that, I was like, well, sure, people know where to go to the front office. So I've started paying attention mm-hmm. when people walk through the door. And when they look at me and they're like, where's the front office? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I needed to take a step back and and, and really readjust. Um, it's hard to see when you're so close to something. Well, so. and the parking situation. We talked a little bit about that. Do you have visitor parking? Mm. Uh, so, so just all of those things. Um, and you know, and and Laura's point is, is very valid in the sense that when you're so ingrained in what you do every day, it might be hard to take a step back, bring a friend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ask them, you know, drive up to my school and tell me what you're noticing. Because I think that, um, that outsider's view is very impactful. Yes. All right. Number six, two-way communication is imperative. So, we had a whole episode on two-way communication because communication in general um, with families, it can often be very one-sided because I think sometimes, historically we have seen ourselves as experts on students' right and learning because we are the experts on teaching. Um, so I think of like newsletters and um, and like messengers, like one call now, things like that that are really important to get information out, but don't always allow themselves for two-way communication. So have you implemented things like um, Class Dojo or School Connects or um, a system where parents can write back to you just so that they are able to engage with you on whatever communication is sent home, especially with important things like um, potentially something that they're learning for that day or behavior um, so that parents have the opportunity for equal input. And before you go on with that one, I would say that kind of goes hand in hand with once you establish all those things and making sure that you're attending to, do they have a translate option, mm-hmm. is making sure that your staff understands it's okay to set boundaries with this two-way communication. Giving families access to two-way communication, you know, certainly we don't want to limit that necessarily to where families have to come into a box 
uh, between these hours, these hours every single day in, in the event that they work. But then on the other side, that also means that that doesn't put your staff on call 24 hours a day. And, and as educators, because we are so compassionate and want to be helpers and healers, many, many staff members do that. You know, they're, they're responding to families. They get a text message at midnight and they're up. They respond to it. They get a message at 530 in the morning and they're up. They respond to it. While that seems like I want to be responsive, we also have to remember that that's a quick way to burn out. And as leaders, it's a great thing to model setting boundaries. So if you're not already doing um, setting boundaries for work time, um, communication, model that for staff because that will make it um, an easier transition to to, uh, spill over with two-way communication with families. And again, there are going to be scenarios where a family that's working during the school day may need to meet with you after school. And there are going to be those occasions, but it's not every day. So boundaries are important. All right, number seven, include your community partners um, within your family engagement realm. And that should also be a reciprocal relationship. Uh, I believe it was episode 15 where Amy, our family ambassador, came on and talked about community partners. And we talked a lot about in that episode that nobody likes a taker, right? So as you're reaching out to community partners, it's not like we always have something um, extravagant that we can give back, but in opportunities where we can, or even if it's just something as simple as a picture, like this is where your donation went to, having a reciprocal relationship will help extend that partnership, um, hopefully long-term. All right, number eight. Um, make a plan and create long-term and short-term goals to ensure that you are creating sustainable systems. We've spent several episodes talking about this because oftentimes what we do is we see a good idea. Oh, I went to this conference and saw this great idea for this family literacy night. I'm going to do it. Oh, I saw this great idea for the family honor roll. Going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it this year because I didn't think about how to sustain it for future. So take a step back. Much like we do with other things, employ that backwards design approach. Where do you see yourself and where do you want to be with family engagement three years from now? And then work backwards for realistic and be realistic, making sure that you're attaching your goals and your objectives, making sure they're measurable, Um, making sure that you're determining what kind of budget is necessary for this, who's going to be responsible. Um, All of those things that you put into normally a a school comprehensive improvement plan, um, I think any good plan gets that long-term goals and then what do we need for short-term and then how are they anchored to kind of like what your your priority anchors are. You know, if it's building relationships, what are you going to work on with that? If it's two-way communication, what are you going to work on with that? If it's advocacy, what are you going to work on for that? and commit to paper, and share it with all of your staff. And the other thing I would say is, as you're thinking about it, thinking about um, how does what we're working on with family engagement embed itself into everything else we're doing so that it doesn't seem like, and here's what we're doing for school, and then here's what we're doing for family engagement. How is what we're planning for family engagement supporting and enhancing what we're doing for school improvement? And we are guilty of not having sustainable plans. So 
we've we've done all the things we've done all the pop-ups and this is an area of growth so i'm very thankful that jill and i've been going through this on the podcast because this is the real work for us creating that sustainable plan it really is and i do want to you know give another shout out um a couple episodes ago we had dr felicia cumming smith on and from um the president of ncfl and so partnering with organizations like that sometimes are very helpful because having that outside lens Mm -hmm who this is this is their day gig right this is what they do every day and so as great as we are as schools sometimes having that outside lens of people who this is this is what they do to guide you from an objective sense is very helpful so just giving another plug out to um, you know helping create that sustainability is also partnering with organizations like NZFL yes all right, number nine, involve parents on the front end. So <laughs> when you decide that you're making big changes or you decide to get family feedback, do it before you change or implement something. So doing school, it's doing school with families instead of doing school to families, right? Um it's just a completely different approach. And I will never forget last year when we were so excited to present Kenwood 2.0 to Crystal Hawkins. <laughs> she said <laughs> she was very kind about it. She let us get through most of our presentation. And then she kind of sat back in her chair. And I was like, oh, I wonder what she's going to say. And she said. No, you didn't wonder what she was going to say. You were so excited <laughs> for her to be like, what everybody else are like, oh, oh my gosh, amazing. you are on fire. <laughs> this is awesome. And she got, I remember she got real quiet. Uh, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, have, have you talked to your families about it? We were like. I remember what we said. We are like, no, we're not there yet. We're not finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a few more things to kind of put together before we share it with them. Yeah. And she got real quiet again. <laughs> Yeah, which wasn't the response everybody else had given us, right? So we were like, okay, yeah, what a novel idea. Like, we're making all these big changes to your child's education, and it's going to be personalized and all of this great stuff. But we hope that's what you wanted because we know you have choice in the schools. Um, But true story, getting parent input before you make big changes is crucial because if you don't have family buy-in, there's not going to be buy-in at home. Um, the wraparound support will not—it's just not not going to be there. Um, so it is crucial that you get um, parent involvement and engagement on the front end, especially when you're making big changes. All right, and then last but not least, I feel like we said this in a lot of episodes as well. Celebrate the small wins. So even as you start to make your system sustainable, you're going to have an event and there might be two people that show up or there might be six people that show up. If there are more people the next time, you celebrate it regardless of how small it is or if you got two more people to fill out the survey than last time. Whatever it is, celebrate all of the small things or else it will get really defeating because the small ones really do add up. They absolutely add up. So, yes. Um, And speaking of celebrating, I don't think that uh, we could go much further without telling you all, our dedicated listeners, the amazing news 
So um, recently, as a result of all the hard work and just tireless endeavors and commitment on behalf of the Kenwood staff and students and families and community, drum roll please, we were just named as a National Distinguished Title I School. And so let me tell you all what a big deal this is, <laughs> is because one, only two schools from every state get named this every year. And so this is a really prestigious honor. The other big, and honestly probably bigger thing for me, is that we are the only school in our district of, I think, 156 schools to have ever been named a national distinguished Title I school. So, yeah, yeah it, feels, it feels pretty good. Uh, just a quick little story. I, you know, way back at episode, in season one, we talked about, you know, visualizing and manifesting and, and all that great stuff. I do have to say that four years ago, I was at the National Title I Conference with our academic instructional coach, and we were in the session to where they were presenting the awards. They were recognizing all the schools that had earned the, that this particular honor that year, and I remember looking over to her, and I was like, we're going to be up on that stage. And she kind of giggled, and I was like, I'm not playing. And so um, it just goes to show you that what is possible when you have a goal and a vision and, and you don't take your eyes off the prize um, and you celebrate those small wins and the big wins. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a really big one. So, yeah, this has been such a great season. Um, and we want to thank you, as always, for, for joining in with us um, to just, you know, share your journeys with us, um, celebrate with us, um, and all that great stuff. So, um, we're looking forward to next season. But if you've enjoyed this episode, the top 10 takeaways from season five to make sure you engage every family, then please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. We'd love to know what burning questions you still have, even though we're, we're moving on to a different uh, season focus next season. Uh, you know, still hit us up in, in, our, in our Twitter account. So, um, or tag us uh, using the hashtag be the leader you deserve. Now, if this is your first episode, I know you're like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. I've got to go back and listen to the entire ep season five to get all the specifics and all these great things you all talked about, which will then make you want to listen to four, three, two, and one. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> like if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, but definitely you'll want to check those out. And don't forget when you're, especially if you're on Apple podcasts up there in the right hand corners, that little plus button to subscribe. If you haven't already done that, stop what you're doing. Yes, you listener, not unless you're driving, pull over no, <laughs> and hit the plus sign and subscribe uh, to uh, get automatic updates every Friday morning when the new episodes drop. And don't forget to like and follow us primarily on Twitter um, because we give more frequent updates, quotes, and inspirations that help carry you through the week. And then Laura and I also post on our personal accounts, uh, so check those out as well. And finally, please, please, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really do help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. All right, listeners, have a great week, and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve, and what am I doing about it?